welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tammy Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me again for another 360 conversation. I am extremely, just like that, (laughs) extremely excited about this conversation because it's a conversation I've been wanting to have for a very, very long time. Um, I am honoured to be sharing a conversation with Selena Barker, um, also of Project Love, And um, I'm not going to do a really long intro. All I'm going to say is that this woman is like an OG in the coaching world. We're talking (laughs) about MySpace days. Do you remember that? And and I I was so old in MySpace days. I thought, "What, what is this nonsense? What are people doing on here? I just couldn't understand it. Um, so yeah, she's been doing this coaching lark for a very long time and has included in her roster a beautiful space where she and her friend, co-founder, Vicky, whose surname has just escaped my brain for the moment, um, talk about all things love uh, in Project Love. And they talk about relationships, friendships, self-love, the whole shebang. So if you haven't come across Project Love before, why not? And uh, just to let you know that it is a space that is all about love. It is not just about being loved up and being in a, you know, binary romantic relationship. It covers the whole gambit. And I implore you to check it out. Um, there's a lot more I could say. And I did say I wasn't going to go on and on and on, and I already have. So I'm going to shuffle over and welcome Selena Barker to 360 Conversations. Oh, thank you so much. I am just as excited as you to be here. I've been wanting to have this conversation for such a long time. And it's, yeah, it's a real honour. I just said on Stories today how you are you are, to me, such a wise woman. You're one of these people that just seems to access wisdom with such ease and joy. And yeah, so it's just, it's great to be here. I've Thank got you. butterflies now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've just stepped into a date. <laughs> but uh, Selena, actually, I'm going to do things a little bit back to front. Before I ask you to... Um, share with my listeners and a bit about yourself and what you do because I wrote down I watched that story and I was like me um so I want to talk about access to wisdom very quickly um well not very quickly for however long it takes um (laughs) but um access to wisdom yeah so when you shared um about me accessing wisdom and I immediately responded with a what kind of face like surprise face one of the things that I recognise, even even as I was doing it, what I experience is that 
I love talking. I love talking with people. I love the sort of conversations we have on this podcast. And I say we because I come to a podcast episode with ideas and with themes of conversations and some specific questions, but the conversation naturally flows to where it's going to go. Mm. And that is the word right there, flow. Mm -hmm. Because there are times that um, people reflect back something I've said or I go back to a conversation and listen to the back back and forth and me and the person I've had the conversation with are like oh my goodness like we said that we we said that like we are awesome so um accessing wisdom how do you access wisdom I think it I think it comes through um for me, in, in large part, it comes through conversation, which is why I love your po- your podcast, and I love doing our Project Love podcast because it's all about getting deep into conversation, and you know it, you feel it. It's the same when I'm coaching people. You're dropping in, and you're using less of your head mm-hmm. and more of your intuition, your deeper self, and that for me is all tied up in with what I call accessing wisdom. I just think some people have an ability to drop into that depth of conversation and they're not planning what they're going to say. They're just allowing it to flow. Exactly Mm -hmm. like you said, they allow the conversation to flow and things come to them. And afterwards you might go, I don't even know, what did we even talk about? And then you'll listen back and like, whoa, that conversation was like, that was powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Where did that stuff come from? Mm You know, and I know a lot of your listeners will be like, yes, I know exactly the kind of conversation you're talking about. And I think that is the power of conversation. It's why I'm so passionate about podcasts as a new medium, because anyone can do it, but it also allows for conversations to go deep. You know, we've been in such a a world of where media is sound bites and it's short, sharp and concise and it's smart and it's sassy and it's, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not good with that stuff. I need time to get into it and meander. And, um, yeah. So how do I, how do I access wisdom is allowing myself to drop into that space of my, that deeper self intuition, um, get out of my head into my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, but really for me, so I it, definitely doing things like yoga um, you know, doing creative things that help you get into that space. Mm -hmm. But I think it's through conversation, but also I suppose through journaling. Mm -hmm. So having that conversation myself. So Mm -hmm. project love is so much about that kind of conversation, either through the podcast where we're really diving deep into life and love and exploring, you know, how to create what it takes to create a life and a relationship and a career you love and all of it and self-love and self-care and, you know, recently Mm anti-racism and, you know, I just want to just keep getting to all different kind of areas. Um, but then through our journal, our goodbye, hello journal, which is an end of year, um, fantastic end of year. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that is facilitating people, you having a conversation with yourself as a year comes to an end. How has it been for you, Mm. you know, and sitting down with yourself and having that depth of conversation. So, it requires, yeah, and reflection. But you know what I mean when I say dropping I into that. I absolutely do. And as you said that, my heart was like delicious. And I think <laughs> that it is 
so powerful to feel into that dropping down because what I have realised is that thinking ruins things. (laughs) Like it really, really does. Because you start to rationalise and make everything sensible and boring and you frighten yourself out of something that you were capable of doing before you started thinking about it and conversation whether it is a conversation between two people a group or a conversation with yourself using a medium like a journal because it's something that is very active you have the capacity to actually do that dropping down so when I'm in flow like literally it is almost as if like in a conversation for example when I'm like oh my goodness I don't remember saying that at all it is almost as if I'm getting this divine download and I'm a conduit ask me to say it again I'll start thinking about it and really scrabble around and you'd be like did you say what you said just now because this is almost gobbledygook and I think as a life lesson it's really important for us to find ways that we can drop down and mm. stop rationalising the magic out of everything. Yeah, exactly. And so much of what I do when I'm coaching people is to guide them into that space mm-hmm. so that then they realise, oh, yeah, I've, okay, I can access these answers for myself. And one of my... Uh, um, clients recently, she's finished her journey with me. So I, I coach people around career change. So, um, and starting up businesses as well as project love. I do many things. It's always difficult to say the one thing that I do. So I'm a coach. I've also coached people through, um, the journey of finding love with our get ready for love course, but really the one-to-one coaching I do is through career change. But she said, um, she goes around now saying, what would Selena say? And I thought, okay, that's interesting because I bet that's what helps her drop into that space, Mm -hmm. that space of like, so what I do is often I I write to myself from my wise older self and that helps me to connect with that, like I say, accessing that wisdom. It allows me to just see what what answers come through. Mm -hmm. So like you say, some people think of it as like a divine download. Some people will think of it as it's, you know, divine guidance from within or or rooted like into the ground, into the earth's wisdom. Like Mm -hmm. everyone has their different, but some people, you know, will say, okay, (laughs) what would Beyonce say? Or what would, you know, and it's just like, I think honestly that kind of stuff, or, you know, if you're religious, what would Jesus say? You know, that I think helps you, no, I've now I've inadvertently associated myself with Beyonce and Jesus. <laughs> it's all good, girl. We, we've got a friend, my friend uh, Liana. Beyonce has nothing on my friend Liana. So there's that hashtag. What would Beyonce do? I don't oh, even do that. I think to myself, what would Liana do? Like, what would Liana do? But what I'm trying to do actually, and this is the power of coaching, because you created a question that you didn't realise you were creating for me um in that actually um that divine ah okay so in a podcast episode I can't remember which one it was but I remember when I was asking you to be on my podcast and I had a bit of a binge there was a podcast where you and Vicky were talking about I think it was something to do with career change and you were talking it it was pretty much be careful what you wish for 
Yes. That that kind of vibe. So within that same sort of in within that same tree, a, an offshoot of that tree is also about acknowledging your power and your wisdom. And that um no, being scared, that's it. Vicky was talking about being scared of getting what you really want. So mm. she was talking about career change, going for uh I think it was a conversation with you about career change. I will link the episode in the show notes. And she was talking about people being afraid of getting what they want. And in that same vein, so so that's a that's a tree I like nature, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with, and that's one of the branches of that tree. And then the other, the tree is called fear. Let's give the tree a name. And the other branch of that is fearing what I know. So I give it away. I'm saying it's a divine download. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's not a divine download, actually. It's you. I, it's me. But it is so much something else that happened. We were having a a conversation um, and it reminded me of something else that you guys said. I think it was within that episode about freedom and responsibility. Um, I'm not sure if I'm more fearful of the power or of the responsibility that comes with that power. And I think I'm more fearful of the responsibility that comes with that power. Because when I look at other areas of my life, like love, like um, I keep talking about being independent, I keep talking about freedom, but I dance around in them. Because um, with freedom, for example, comes great responsibility. With power comes great responsibility. And if I look at the things I shy away from, I know that when I get into that zone, <laughs> I can I can become really big. And I'm in a battle with my ego at the moment. I talked about it on my first solo episode where I perceive my the ego part of myself perceives my bigness to be like Ursula in The Little Mermaid when she's just getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger yeah. and bigger. Whereas big power isn't necessarily egotistical. Mm. Big power, uh, Martin Luther King was big power. Um, But because power has such a patriarchal, capitalistic undertone in our Western society, I really struggle um, with that. So that was a really long way to get into, and I was just having a realisation, sorry, I was um, actually having some coaching from Selena myself. (laughs) My coaching aside, uh, I think this would be a good opportunity because I didn't do it at the start for you to, you touched on it before, share with people, uh, we all know that you're Selena Barker and that you are the co-founder of Project Love, but what it is you do within your coaching um, and how you got there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So (laughs) (laughs) let's go back just over 10 years from now. So I got there. I started out in the world, just like so many people, don't really know what you're going to do. My career counselling told me, well, you can be a teacher or I did one of those tests and it said be a police officer, a technical illustrator, okay. or some, just such random stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, you get literally, I just don't, I don't even, anyway. That's, I'm not going to get on my soapbox about that. But I, so I just was like, right, okay, what do I want to do? I was really into the environment and campaigning about green issues. So I went and worked for the Ecologist magazine hmm. and blagged my way into becoming their marketing manager. Um, 
And so it was like I'd landed my dream job. So I was just like, oh, my God, they're paying me now to go out there and to talk about these issues that, you know, I'm so passionate about. But I found myself working in an office with a boss, a nine to five. And I promised myself I hadn't enjoyed school. I felt so trapped and just unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I promised myself, look, at the end of this, you will be free. And at the end of it, I found myself in just a repackaged version of what I'd experienced at school. That bloody conveyor belt. Yeah. And up until then, I'd been such a good girl. I'd followed all the rules. And suddenly, at the grand old age of like early 20s, I just went, no, enough. I felt like a caged animal. I was like, I can't, looking ahead of me 40 years, I cannot do this. Now, for some people, that environment actually really works. Mm -hmm. Like structure, they like being out of the home, they're like going to a workplace, coming back, and I totally get that. But for me, it felt like there was something in me that just went, this, this, no. This is not what you're going to do. How brave. Another way. Do you know what? It didn't feel like, it didn't feel brave. It felt like the other option of staying Mm. in that was just not, I just no, Mm -hmm. just no way. Mm -hmm. So I would rather step into the scary unknown. And also the like ignorance, the blissful ignorance of youth. (laughs) I was just like, I'm just going to, you know. So, so I sort of trust up and I basically said, I know that there is a world out there where people are doing things that they love, that they are their own bosses, that they are creating their own career and their own businesses. I know that they're out there. I just don't know who they are. So I'm Mm going to go, I'm going to find them and I'm going to learn from them. And then I'm going to create my own career in that way. And then I'm going to come back and help anyone else who wants to do that too, Mm -hmm. to come into our world of doing you know creating your own career off the beaten path and I I swear I remember saying this to a guy I was working with at the time and now I look back and I was like in that moment I was basically declaring myself to come back as a career change coach (laughs) I hadn't I just didn't realize it at the time like I knew it all along so I did I went off for a year and bear in mind I didn't have like kids or a mortgage and I you know could really live on a shoestring and Mm -hmm. I did Um, and I enjoyed the challenge of that and I just tried everything I found this quote that um I well by Harold Whitman some people say it's not but anyway um it says don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive and then go and do that because what the world needs is people who come alive and I was just like this is it Mm -hmm. this is my mantra I still live by that mantra to this day whether it was Harold whether it was someone else who said it I don't know and it just, that became my guiding principle. So I started, so I decided, right, I'm going to give myself six months where I just try stuff out, stuff that's fun. So I just went out there and I just said to people, I'm, I'm up for doing little bits of work. Like I sold burritos in a van. I taught Spanish because I speak Spanish, taught Spanish for an office, um, made it really fun, got them all dressed up in fancy dress to kind of, you know, relax them. Mm-hmm. I, I did events in Barcelona, San Francisco. I, what else? I drove vans around the country doing student events. I did all sorts of stuff. I worked for a literary agent, just tried out all these different things. And in that process, just start, just learnt just started to learn about myself and build up a confidence in the world of work and start to get a feel for what I liked, what I didn't like. So some of the jobs were really boring. Some of them were really fun, worked at a lot of festivals and just started to get a sense of, I just met lots of people actually 
that were creating their own careers. And it was almost through conversations with them that I started to get a feel for what I wanted to do. And then I met this guy. He said, look, I'm starting this company that helps people change career. I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. I got involved. We founded Career Shifters, which still exists today. And I became the content director and I went out and just interviewed hundreds of successful career changers and career coaches and for three years developed content workshops the career shifters guide to changing career and just really got into understanding that journey and it's such an exciting journey because it requires courage Mm. because it requires really getting to know yourself it requires you often stepping away from the life you had planned or the life you've been told you were supposed to live. It has you challenging your assumptions about everything, about yourself, about success, about what it looks like, what it feels like. And um, I, to this day, I find it such an exciting journey mm. to help people on because it's such a journey of growth and self-discovery and really connecting with yourself because you have to. If your mission, if your mission is I'm going to go and find work that I really love to do, then you're, you're going to go on one hell of a journey, like to get there. So I did that for years. Then I left career shift to set my, set my own as a, as a coach. And the reason I did that was because I needed money. And a lot of coaches I spoke to were like, you should try coaching. And I was like, what? It's just like, it's like sit around and chat to people. And they were like, You try it and then you come back to us and tell us it's just sitting around and chatting to people. And you know what? I tried it. And the first time I was like, I'm not so sure. The second time I was like, oh, this is the work I was born to do. Because for the first time, I realized that that intuition that had been in me all along that I didn't understand as a kid, that as a teenager I was scared of, which talk comes back a bit to what you were talking about, the fear of that power and mm-hmm. what is that? And I think we have so many narratives around, you know, that, that kind of magical thinking, that power and, you know, what it can open the doors to and it's scary. And, um, and I really could sense that, I, that women were once burned and punished for this. Hello. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I felt it in my cells. I felt that fear that like, don't do this. And so I went through a phase of being like, am I, have I literally lost my mind to be thinking that I, who am I to become a career coach? And I wasn't even 30 yet. So then I had the age thing. I was just like, come on. Um, but I started to do it and it just started to get amazing results. And, um, yeah, it just felt like this is the work I was born to do. Mm -hmm. And, and so I did that for many years. I then went off, I packed, got rid of all my possessions packed, um, packed my life and my business into a backpack and into a camper van that I bought. And I traveled around the UK for six months, exploring England and falling in love with this, like just England and the countryside. And we have a very beautiful country. Oh my God, we Mm. really do. And I think, so I had always had a very clear idea that I was going to be married with kids before I was 30. Like if I had a life goal, that was it. I didn't Mm -hmm. think much about work. I didn't really think much about life beyond having my own family and being loved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And life had other plans. Um, So I hit 30 and I was single and it was my 
love life was an absolute wreck and I didn't have the kids or the family or the relationship I thought I would so I was like now what Mm -hmm. now what like now what am I supposed to do and I had managed to I teamed up with some brilliant um authors and coaches and we were doing online courses so again it's designing journeys for people which I love to do and but it allowed me to now work completely online and so I just went right I'm gonna go off and go like I want to just live life differently I've Mm -hmm. got this freedom that no woman in my bloodline has ever had financial freedom freedom that I can roam around the world if I want to um, I don't have a family. I don't have children. And while on one hand I was heartbroken by this and like just just why isn't it happening for me and all that kind of stuff, on the other hand there was a part of me going, use this time. Mm. And, the, and the words I would get from my wise older self was like loving and she's just like, I know how much you want to be in a partnership and you will have that. But right now it's for you to learn to have that partnership with yourself and to go and and to go and live life like go and go, like just do things differently you mm-hmm. don't you know do things doing things differently gives your brain and your heart and you know the opportunity to think and move differently a lot of us wonder why we're stuck but we're not putting ourselves in circumstances where we could do things differently and it's fear again what if I don't yeah. what if I don't like it what if I um make a mistake well if you don't like it you do something else as you did and if yeah. you make a mistake I, I was um I have a lovely membership group and uh, <laughs> it is so damn gorgeous I absolutely love it and we were having a conversation about meaning and values and um how important it is to understand what um your values are and what gives your life meaning like that's the foundation for everything and um we were talking about um like what you what you do once you establish your values and your and and what gives your life meaning and um I referred to there was uh, Marie Folio had a podcast episode with Tim Ferriss and he talked about risk um and I think risk and fear come from the same place and um he was saying in all of his endeavors and everything that he's doing there is no uh risk that is, uh, I can't remember what he said, but something along the lines of, he's not going to kill anyone, he's not going to harm anybody. So if you taking this risk, if you making this change, if you making this mistake, um, if the worst thing that can happen is you lose money, that's a big one for people. Well, actually, um, money isn't a fixed source if you think about money, how many times does money come in and out of your life like money flows? So you mm-hmm. can't be fixed on the fact that you may lose money. Maybe you need to think more about things that you can do to prevent yourself from losing money, but also hold it loosely. Because what are you telling yourself? If I invest 10 grand in this thing and I lose it, oh my God, I've lost 10 grand. But you also have another opportunity to make 10 grand. Um, and I'm not saying that in a really frivolous way. I totally understand that there are some people that don't have, you know, 10,000 pence. Um, but the people that I speak to on a regular basis are people who have, whether it's been conscious or unconscious, have designed a life where they have more choice than they believe they actually have. Um, mm, yes. So that that's Definitely. really... 
a, a huge thing, us acknowledging that. And, and sorry, that, that why me? You said something about um, when you had the first, when you first were yeah. stepping into the coaching world, it was why me? Um, I, I it was wanna, who, who am I? Who, who am, am I? Who am I to think? And where that comes from? Because when I think, when you were talking about being the first woman in your bloodline to be in the position you are in, yeah. I too am the first woman that's in my bloodline to be in this particular position. I come from a place where my mum has her own business and her only regret is not doing it sooner. Um, my two aunts they've always worked for themselves they're they're freelance one's an actress one is um a film and tv script supervisor in charge of continuity it's a very long title um (laughs) so I've seen women working for themselves all the time but the difference with me is the level of freedom I have in comparison Mm -hmm. to them so that whole why me piece or what were you saying um, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I do this because when we when we when we think about the coaching world, when we think about making a choice to move out of, actually, when we make a choice to recognise that we are no longer walking in the footsteps of our ancestors, we're actually creating new footsteps. We can have that battle because of what was before, where we think, "Who am I?" Like. I went to Barcelona. Susie Ashworth had a wonderful um, uh, four-day retreat in Barcelona and we were doing all sorts of stuff. And one of my real battles I had in there was, this is some real privileged shit. Like, who am I to be here in this beautiful, luxury um, villa, not here for a holiday, here to work on myself? Yeah. I felt like that's something that middle-class white women that go to the gym in the middle of the day and live in Chelsea do. Mm -hmm. So I had a real battle with myself. I paid for that. Yeah. Like I made money and I, because, you know, for me to spend that kind of money to do something for the weekend was a bit of a leap. So I, I wouldn't say that I sacrificed, but I was more mindful with the financial choices I was making to enable that to happen. And I still was stuck in this privilege story. Can we have a chat about that, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I mean, I but this is you know, it's like the the onion layers. Mm-hmm. I I think I will always be unearthing ways that I'm holding myself back because of that story of like, who am I to? Or no, that's people like me can't do that. Mm. That's not. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not of that level. I can't go there. I can't go that. I can't shy. You know, I can't do that because this is not, this is not what we do. And when I say we, I look back at that ancestral line without realizing, you know, once I dig into it, I see where, what's going on and what's being said. It's, but, and I, it's looking back and going, oh no, 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 that's just, you know, that's not for us at the moment. What I'm unearthing is a thing around, um, money, and the amount, the amount of abundance I am allowed as a woman, because hang on, and I, I'm, I'm cut in the midst of journaling around this, but what I'm realizing is there's a holding myself back because no, 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 that's the man's role. You can't, so either you can't take, if they, if you take that role, what's the man's role? Like number one, and also no, 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 that's, you're allowed to make a little bit, you know, almost like a little bit of pocket money, which by yeah. the way, me and my partner completely share, 
you know, all of our expenses. And yeah. pay, it's not like I'm just <laughs> using my money for pocket money. But when I look at upping my game with money in abundance, suddenly I've discovered there's this whole, no, no, no. Mm. no you, there's a threshold over which you cannot step mm-hmm. because that is not your place. Mm-hmm. Get back here mm-hmm. and allow the man to go out there and make the big money. And I'm just discovering wow. that now. And I'm just, so I think unearthing that. And I've done a lot of work with my ancestors over various stuff. Um, done amazing work with the ladies at the bridge retreat around ancestral stuff. But yeah, we could, I mean, if that's a lifetime of work, isn't it? it Going is. back there, Healing and, it back and forward. Yeah. You know, yeah, ones yeah. before us and the ones ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was speaking to, um, uh, Alyssa Rochelle from the Vulnerable Podcast. Oh, Rochelle. I love her. She's amazing. And we were, I was saying to the day, I was like, it's time for the healers and the intuitives and the witches and the angels and whatever you want to call them. But it's time for the healers to, to be making shit tons of money because we need to, because that we need that. We need to be like, because we know what we're going to float, what, what we're going to do with that money Hello. and the difference we're going to make. And yes. it's time. And I feel yes. there's a rising up yes. and I love what you and, um, Nicola are doing. Ah. And I'm coming along I know. I'm coming for the supper pub because I just, when I heard you guys talking about it, about, um, wealth and wellness and just your whole approach to money, I was just like, yeah. We need to be getting into that conversation and transforming how we're being around. I I need to. Yeah, I need to insert. Listen, we we it's it's a collective thing. So wellness is wealth. Nicola, a life more inspired. I practically mention her on every single podcast episode. (laughs) Like she is my work wife. I love her to the bone. And um, I don't even know how this started, but whatever happened and we decided that we wanted to create something called Wellness is Wealth. And when we had the event we had at the beginning of the year, we just decided that we were going to do something where we were talking about wellness as a key pillar of our financial health. And we had that event. We didn't know what was going to come of it. Everybody that came was ready. People were sharing stories about money. And what was very interesting is because of our ancestral lineage and because of the way the world has moved, all of us in there, whether we were a person that has a minimum of 10k in their savings account, or if they were a person that has a minimum of 10k debt, we were all coming from a place of lack. So the person Hmm. with the 10k debt was buying to fill a void. The person with the 10k plus savings was not making it was not allowing it to do anything because they were holding on to it so tightly. And in the conversations, Nicola and I were having each time we had a conversation we went to a deeper layer with our money story and we also realized that actually um we've been using a very scientific approach to money which is fine and makes sense because we moved out of a world that was governed by let's call it wonder into positivism and positivism was very much about science and basing things on evidence but what we realize is 
by dropping into our divine feminine, by understanding that there is a beautiful role for us to play in the way that we are without playing into a role that is framed by white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, which are all agents of white supremacy, we realised that there was room for something else and there was another way. And when we came together, we decided that we were going to, uh, to allow this project to be easy. And it doesn't matter what we've done, the ancestors have moved stuff out of the way to allow this to be easy. And in our digging and unfolding and what what we have done, and, and that's I think that's why we came together, we both definitely, let's say for lack of a better description, look on the bright side. But what we know is that we need to dig down, look at what's there, use it as information and take it up to the bright side. Mm. And in our conversations and, and why we think this is something that has to become real is we were digging down. So stories that we once held... um perhaps with a bit of criticism towards our parents for the way they conducted themselves with finances. Like, you know, immigrant parents, what you will hear a lot of is that story of making do, of conserving and saving and holding. So Mm. not allowing that money to flow, holding just in case for a rainy day and all that kind of stuff. And in my digging down, what I've learnt is that I've inherited my parents, well, particularly my mum, because my mum was the main breadwinner. She was, that everything is graft, everything is grind, everything is struggle. So I've never thought there isn't more for me, but I've always believed that that more comes at a very heavy price. Yeah. And what's very interesting as I move out of, I was a child of magic. I became an adult of science. And as I'm tapping back into my childlike qualities, because that is where all of my potency is, what I am learning is that Unlike, so my my ancestors that I clapped eyes on or have had a direct influence, so my granddad... Uh, my and my granddad have had the influence of the people that he raised him. So let's say they go two generations back. They were definitely the struggle story. Mm. But I'm being supported by ancestors who are urging me to let go of the struggle story. They are forever telling me I'm holding <laughs> on to what isn't mine. But whilst I know that and I feel it, it's almost as if there's a force field around me and that force field is called habit. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh my God, But the yes. beauty of conversations, like we were saying at the very beginning is, I'm in a space where I can have these conversations with Nicola, so I move, I like, I'm, I'm peeling that force field it's not a bloody force field it's armor so i'm taking you know the fish ca- the fish scale looking armor i'm removing a fish scale yeah. i'm removing and i'm peeking out and i'm seeing this lush green forest waiting for me but now i'm just thinking i'm either going to be patient and peel back the layers or i'm just going to bust them down <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, patience. I mean, patience has its place sometimes, but but, I, <laughs> but, but sometimes it's fun to bash stuff down. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And, God, and what, yeah. what you're saying is so so powerful because it's it's like I'm resisting that witch that was once stoned. Yeah, yeah, really. You feel it though, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think I really, you know, when I was a teenager and I could, when I was a child and I could, I just, and I'm, you probably experienced this as well. A lot of people do. You sense, children are so sensitive. You sense stuff, you intuit stuff. You can mm-hmm. tell stuff that's going on that you're, that people aren't saying, but you know it. And they just think kids are, you know, try and hide stuff from kids is crazy. They Doesn't know more work. than anyone else. Absolutely. Like they sense everything. <laughs> It felt like it made a very scary world for me. Then as a teenager, that became more and more potent. And I remember coming out with stuff with people that I kind of just just knew about them or would just, just would blurt out and they'd be like intense. Yeah. That is too much. Yeah. Like <laughs> all yeah. the way from that. And I'm like, oh God, I've weirded them out. Then as I became a coach, I started, I was like, oh my God, this intuition, this, this ability of mine is, I can, this is a tool. Hello. This is something that I could literally put on my CV. I mean, I wouldn't, but I also don't have a CV anymore. But like, <laughs> it's a very practical tool. And interestingly, my great-grandmother, I've been told stories about her. She lived out in Argentina in the middle of nowhere. And she used intuition as a very practical tool and telepathy. She would know when one of someone was turning up. She would lay the table for more people. They'd be like, what are you doing? And she's like, someone's coming. Mm. Sure enough, tea time the horse and cart would come along and like her sister and a couple of kids and whoever else had had turned up, but you know, and they use it and she used it in all sorts of different ways. So I've got that as well, but I started using it. And even as I started to use it in my coaching, at first it really scared me and I could feel it. I could feel the, I could and as I opened up to it more and more, it became even more powerful. I remember feeling like people's demons were sometimes, you know, when I was talking about stuff and, their fear was coming up. It was like jumping out at me and like grabbing me. Mm. But I spoke to therapists. I remember speaking to a therapist. She went, oh, that, yeah, of course. Of course you have that. Because anyone who does this kind of work has that strong intuition and that sixth sense. She trained therapists. She said, the first thing I do with trainees is I help them to how to manage that power that they have. Mm. And I was like, what? So it is a thing. I'm not making it up. She was like, you know, you're not making it up because it's working that's your bloody life compass and now it is like the most practical thing in the world Mm -hmm. so I was just reading uh this weekend I went I was driving for about eight hours um to a wedding and back and I listened to a book by a guy called James Lovelock I screenshot it when you shared it on oh my god oh my god so some people I mean if in the world of ecology and the environment, he's a well-known, controversial figure. But anyway, he's almost 100. He's written this book about how he sees the future and artificial intelligence and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But what also fascinated is how much he talked about intuition and how Albert Einstein, I had no idea about this, talked about intuition as the sacred gift and the rational mind is the servant. But unfortunately, in our society, we have it the wrong, wrong way around. And I was like, What? Selena. Oh my God, I know. I had thought it was like those of us who are into this, these kinds of conversations, kind of like the, like I'll say the the witches. The (laughs) The witches and weirdos. But like, you know, and then to be hearing that 
scientists like the likes of Albert Einstein and James Lovelock value intuitive thinking as the greatest form of thinking and they cultivate their intuition and that, that actually they see, you know, it is, it, he was saying that all his greatest inventions came as in a moment in, of intuitive intuition mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and intuitive mm -hmm. thinking. And without that, they would never have come to be. So in the same way, it's like, it's, it's to me, I see it now as a very practical tool, but one that has been feared and has been, people have been punished for having it, you know, if we look at the, you know, feminine power mm -hmm. and all that stuff, mm -hmm. which is why I now feel like with now coaching and therapy and all these different kinds of things where intuition and obviously the world of science, I had no idea I need to go and like find out more about this, you know, valuing it as well. Mathematicians, you know, hugely intuitive mathematicians and engineers, things like that it's rising up and it's starting to be seen as a very practical, mm -hmm. very powerful tool. But I do think I have definitely had to learn how to protect myself mm -hmm. and to not be afraid of it, but also, yeah, to protect myself. Yeah. So it's a journey. It's a journey <laughs> and it is so interesting. I was this, I don't even know which podcast it was. It just uh, came on shuffle. Um, and I didn't listen to it all because I'm in a period of time where I have to put a stop on my consumption because I'm, I'm, I'm feeling full. So I really need to create. But anyway, there was a sentence with something and they said, um, what's the opposite of science? And live on the podcast, they Googled and it came up as magic. And for me, I found that really interesting because that there was something else about Albert Einstein, about something about looking, in, looking into nature. Nature has the answers. Magic, intuition, what people would deem as witchcraft, whatever, is the science that we haven't been able to rationalise. That's all it is. <laughs> Yeah. And there are some things we just shouldn't be able to rationalise. If if everything in life made sense, what's the point? It would be damn boring. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this is, oh, I just love the conversation about intuition. And that's also in this book, he was talking about that, how language has is based in logic it likes to categorize things and label them and therefore with intuitive thinking it's it clashes i'm paraphrasing very badly just it's better to just read <laughs> i'm intuiting what you're saying yeah 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 but it's just and i've heard this before about how language um sort of clashes with the feminine principle which is so much more than just the spoken logical mm -hmm. sort of way mm -hmm. of thinking and I you know when I preparing for this podcast and thinking are we going to talk about which we haven't yet but we, and we may not and it's fine we talked about so much other we're gonna stuff. have to have a part two we're have to have part two. <laughs> but talking about like you know my coaching I all, always say anyone who's been coached by me knows that we often I and the the client will say trust the process I'll be like, I know I need to trust the process I'm like you just got to trust the process to the, I couldn't tell you what that process is. Like the number of times I've been like, right, I, if I were to write a book on this or if I were to take this journey and turn it into a course, now there are certain elements, there are the phases of career change that, yes, I can, you know, I've broken down in the four phases and all the rest of it. But in terms of actual coaching, that, that process that is a chemistry between the coach and the coachee 
and the into when you drop when you both drop into that space and it's a it's an intuitive conversation or however you want to say it it's even hard describing it because but I know what you're, but I know what you're saying is that I don't even try to explain what the process is I remember I had actually an engineer who I coached and he said at the end of the journey he went I finally realized that when you say trust the process I was like yeah he's like you don't know what the there isn't a process <laughs> there isn't like a process that we can quantify no. I was like Exactly. And, and it's he not was, our place. Oh, and he was a really logical man who was suddenly opened up to this, you know, mm-hmm. allowing that intuition and mm-hmm. that intuitive way of thinking. And he's taken off ever since on just a whole new career path where he is, yeah, it just makes him come alive. But I think, I, I don't know if it's just some people, I know through personality profiling, you have intuitives and you have people who are more in fact and logic. But I think everyone, um, can benefit from stepping into sort of intuitive thinking. But I think some people are just, that is where we, that's where our power is. Mm. And we need to encourage each other that it's not scary and that it's practical. It doesn't need to be tied up in woo woo. Exactly. Like it sounds woo woo because it's difficult to sometimes put words into it, yeah. but we don't need to attach it to magical thinking unless that works for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really into making it, Practical, practical and accessible so it doesn't feel so scary yeah and 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 that is it just making it work in the real world because a lot of this stuff can feel really lofty and you think well how does this get distilled into action so thinking about uh I, I haven't touched on the notes <laughs> I've made for Selena we have just rolled but I do want to go here um because what I have experienced is um coaching and you know within uh, my membership group um there is an element of coaching that I do and it's something that I struggle to say and own um because it is a career change um but um one of the most beautiful and harrowing things that I've observed <laughs> is that um well no, the beauty is that it's that I heard you talk about it in one of your Get Ready for Love podcasts where you were talking about like attracting like. Um, so I find that within the, the, the world of coaching, like attracts like. I'm definitely attracted to people that I can see myself in. Um, but then also within that like attracting like, it's not just the parts of yourself that you like to show off. It's also the more shadowy parts of yourself that we tend to shy away from. So, um, I'd like to ask you, what are some of the most surprising things you have witnessed in the coaching mirror that has been held before you, Mm. uh, Selena Barker? I think it always reflects you see in the mirror, whatever you're going through in your clients. Um, and so at the moment it's definitely around money and limited thinking around money. Um, not so much fear around it, but just not knowing, just not feeling that I have that a good, just not that good with it. Mm Mm-hmm just not brilliant with money like I'm good at saving it but like you know you're talking about people who just hold on to it and save it and I'm like yeah I know there's things you can do with it but I don't know what they are and I don't Mm -hmm. do them Mm -hmm. and you know what are those healthy habits around money I think um so I obviously I see those come up in all honesty though these days 
perhaps because I've been doing it for such a long time. I know. I've been doing it for such a long time. And so the nature of my coaching, it doesn't exhaust me like it used to. Okay. Um, it doesn't, uh, I certainly don't have like I used to, people's uh, hidden um, anger kind of leaping out at me like I used to. I mean, that mm-hmm. was like 10 years ago. Um, I probably don't get triggered by it so much now. I think in part because, I think maybe because I have done a lot of work on stuff around, issues around work, probably, Mm -hmm. and career stuff and stepping into my power and the issues that tend to come up around career coaching. If I were to do life coaching, like across the spectrum of stuff, I would probably get a lot more triggered now. Mm But because I've been, because I'm never surprised by the issues that come up because of 10 years, I may really have it all. And and I suppose the way I used to get triggered by coaching led me to then go and do a lot of work on myself because it was, you know, like you say, it's that mirror. So I suppose now it doesn't feel so much like that um, as it used to. Yeah. And I think that could be because of, yeah, just how long I've been at it. Yeah, <laughs> something. Uh, so in when I uh, worked as a social worker, um, something that kind of triggered me all the time was um, because it was so um, formulaic, even though it shouldn't be, and because you were working to the government's agenda rather than the service users' agenda. I really got caught up in, I must fix this. I must demonstrate that I've fixed (gasps) this. So that one, that mirror in moving into, I've I've done a lot of work on myself, not knowing that I, because when I started 360, I wasn't thinking about being a life coach, but Mm. I've arrived at a journey. I kept being pushed, but I was like, what is this? Go away. This isn't me. And eventually I've got into a place where that's it. I've done a holistic mindfulness life coaching course just for me to really feel my way around the kind of transition from being the fixer to the holder of space. Mm. And something that um, Susie Ashworth said, actually, she said, um, I say that because I talked about her retreat earlier on in the conversation. She said, um, something, something, how you do one thing is how you do all things. And so within my membership group, um, people talk, and this is where my intuition comes in. Ah, intuition combined with um, my ability to be analytical, which has come from 15 years as a social worker, working with a whole gambit of people. Think People think it's just, you know, people from a low socioeconomic status. Actually, I've worked with lords and ladies because everybody has problems um, and sometimes they're huge. Um, but something that um, is coming up within the membership group. So people share something and I'm scanning I try not to, but it just happens. And I look in between the lines and I can just see the ricochets. So when I say to you, how you do one thing is how you do all things. That is what Mm. Susie said. I'm sure I didn't say it because I was so busy in my mind. How you do one thing is how you do all things. How does that make you feel? What? Hearing that being said, how you do one thing is how you do all things. Yeah, I think that's... um... 
I don't know. It depends. I, it would need to be within a context of something for me. See, when I heard it, immediately I was like that SpongeBob SquarePants crab <laughs> meme. Because I was like, shit! I literally just saw the ricochet. That's what, that, that, and then digging further, like, you know, self-coaching and journaling, and then having some more questions. That is where the whole responsibility piece came up because I've told myself this over here is about my need for independence. This over here is about my need for freedom in work. This over here is about boundaries. Actually, when I drilled down and down, I was like, shit, like everything is falling under this umbrella of responsibility. So I guess actually I'm doing that like attracts like thing Mm -hmm. because in the women that I have around me, not necessarily just within the membership group, it is that whole thing that we're doing, we're doing our one thing is showing up in all sorts of places, but we're giving it, that's got a pink skirt on. So it's a pink skirt. No love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It ain't. Um, So for me, I was like, oh my God. Um, I'm there thinking, right, I've got to work on this thing over here. I've got to work on this thing over there. Actually consolidate it down to one thing because it's everything. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I just think that who you, bringing yourself, your whole self to each different aspect of your life. I mean, obviously you're going to have different skills and you're going to put different hats on. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I am the same, you know, people often, and I remember this feeling like with different types of people are as a different person, that chameleon thing. And yeah. often people will say to me, the person they are at work is not the person they are at home. And they find it hard even filling out a personality assessment. So which, hang on, which version which, which, of me, are oh, we, wow. which version of me should I answer? That happens all the time. But well, should I answer as the person I am at work? Because I'm really organized and da da da, and but at home I'm you're like it's a mess. Yeah, and it's just like okay, we need to look at, we need to wow. look at like, what's that about, um, you know, and and so I think nowadays I I definitely feel like I I bring that, like I I'm I don't hide the witch in me. I got a tattoo. You, well, you can see it. Yes. Um, I Beautiful. got this tattoo. It's enormous on my forearm. It's supposed to be a small one on the back of my neck, and I went to see the shaman. Um, about 10 years ago and I said explained about my coaching and at the time I'd have was having these like see these people's demons like you know coming at me and I and he said right what you need is a symbol of protection and he said I think I see it this size and it's like big it's like I don't know 10 centimeters long it's like right in the center of my forearm um it's a flower of life and I remember thinking okay do you know what I'm gonna do this and this for me is once I have it on my forearm where it's very visible to the world, this is for me my my sort of symbol of I am never going to hide yeah. who I am. I'm going to let the witch come out. Mm-hmm. And I swear from the moment I had that tattoo, I never experienced that, that energy attack, that feeling, that anger or that attack from my clients when I was coaching them. They didn't know they were doing it. Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah, yeah back off kind of thing and I for for first year or so I struggled a bit with wanting to hide my tattoo from some people but not others and now I'm just like 
I don't care who sees it. And it's so tied 360 up. 360 life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so tied up with being able to be who I am, wherever I am. Mm. Um, but yeah, there is more we could talk about, about the rescuer, coaches being the rescuer. And I had to deal with that for, for like do a lot of work around that. Yeah. Not wanting to rescue your client. Yeah. It is not yours. And this, someone said this to me the other day. Um, my own coach, Dr. Talene, said, you've got to remember that you are not responsible for this person transforming mm-hmm. and changing their life. You are just responsible for what you bring to the table. Yeah. And that space. Yeah. And, mm. and, and it's, for me, coaching is a conversation. Yeah. So it's not just some coaching is a lot. Coaches are taught, you know, it's a lot about the listening and obviously there is the active listening, but it's a conversation. And I, I, I talk in my coaching sessions yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> and that's just my style. And that's who I am. Yeah. And I don't, I don't follow a formula and yeah, I just feel more and more like I'm just allowing that intuitive, which mm. to just be in this world and be safe and be we allowed need her. to do her work. And there yeah. are so many of us hopefully listening to this who resonate and are just like, yeah. And if you feel like, I feel like I have that in me and you might be squashing it with thoughts of like, oh God, no, I'm now it's just my ego saying I'm special or something. It's like, well, no, no, no. Maybe you do need mm-hmm. to, your ego might be telling you that you're being, you're being all like, oh, you just think you're special to keep you in your box. Yeah. And yeah. there's very real visceral fear that comes with allowing your intuition, your intuitive side out. Um, but once you do, it's like, ah, oh, this is where I was supposed to be. Oh, and, and that is the difference between your ego and your intuition. It's a calm feeling that the, the, <laughs> the, intu- the intuit is calm, whereas the ego stomps and shouts and screams. And that's why it's quite hard to hear the intuitive piece because the ego is jumping around with who do you think you are stories. Exactly. Exactly. Selena, there is so much more that I could, but um, we're going to have to, I think that um, in 2020, my podcast is going to be full of part two conversations because (laughs) (laughs) there have been so many absolutely wonderful ones. Gosh, I wanted to talk about boundaries. I wanted to (laughs) talk about love and creating a life you love um because I I will just finish here what I absolutely love or one of the things that I absolutely love about the work you do individually and the work you do in Vicky with Project Love is about creating the life and the love you want this Mm -hmm. notion of falling in love and Mm -hmm. autopiloting your way is you like you know that's off the table it's about creating what you love and it's it's not a privilege and going by what our mate Harold says the world needs more of us creating the lives we want and the love we want yeah because then we have more to give to the rest of the world so don't get that bit no more empty cups martyrdom is so 20th century we're not (gasps) doing that anymore do you know what? Right. Yeah. In part two, we'll talk about that. And particularly mothers and martyrdom. We need to stop it. Ooh, we need it child. to stop. And it's too strong. Pump it is the breaks. Strong. It's got to stop. We need mothers coming from self-love and self-care. 
Part two. Oh, and also I want you to come onto the podcast so we can bring all these conversations. I'm there. You don't even have to finish. I'm there. But I am making a note, motherhood and martyrdom, because that one we have to, because let me tell you something for free, guys. (laughs) This martyrdom, this I need to do this for my children, I need to do this for my family, I make no bones about it. 85.7% of the time, it's an excuse. You know it, I know it. I know that you know that I know it, and you know that I know that you know that I know that you know it, and I know it. Stop. Oh, my God. I'm stealing you. I'm stealing that conversation onto... The Project Love podcast. Absolutely. It's, it's to be shared <laughs> far and wide. So, oh gosh, okay then. So you've given us the, is it Howard Whitman? Well, I've been, t- ha- well, I thought it was Howard Whitman or Harold Whitman, but um, we're doing in our next journal, we've had an editor check our quotes and apparently yes. there can't, it's not enough evidence that it's by him. But anyway, you've got the quote. The quote is the, the quote. important part. Right. So could you share with us any other resources that would assist with, I think the pretty much what we have been talking about is um, yeah. authenticity. Oh, I was going to say intuition. Oh, I love that you do label that as, oh, interesting. That's a whole other topic. Mm. Authenticity. Let's not open that box, that can of No, worms. because we, we very easily could. Stop for the poor dear listener yeah. who's still with us. <laughs> I will call this episode something along the lines of um, living authentically by accessing your intuition. There we go. Great. So okay. some resources to support. Okay. So, oh, around intuition. Obviously, so, well, there's there the Project is... Love podcast. Intuitive living. Yeah. But though I suddenly, do you know what? I get a panic around people's names. Rooted by Rooted Living. Pandora. <laughs> I was suddenly wanting to say Pandora Paloma. That's why I was getting her name. She's not called Paloma. Okay. Intuitive Living by Pandora Paloma from Rooted Living. Um, it's a new book she's written. So that's, yeah, about yeah. intuitive living and intuitive eating. Do you know what? I once re- listened to a fascinating, um, I think it's an audio book, audio conversation by Caroline Miss. Anything by Caroline Miss is fascinating around intuition. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Clarissa Pinkler is these who wrote Women Who Run With Wolves. Ooh. That is the book for intuition and this stuff and the witchy stuff and the mm, fascinating. And they have a conversation together. What? Round intuition. There is a live conversation. I'm talking about intuition. This is what they say about intuition. Carol, Carolyn Miss says, her, the, what people often ask her, what do I need to do be more intuitive? She says, you need to learn to like yourself. Ooh, child. That is all you need to be intuitive. Mm-hmm. So that conversation is amazing. I, I, yeah, if you Google it, you'll mm-hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then journaling. Mm. Journaling. Whatever gets you out of your head and into your body, whatever yeah. drops you into that space, is it music? Is it music. just explore that? The artist's way. Oh, I've heard that a lot. The artist way, that's about getting into your creative, which I think is so hand in hand with intuition and your intuitive side. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there those are my resources Perfect. for now thank you and how can people if people want career coaching from you yes. if you've got any um work not what uh, online programs or something please share yeah so we um at the moment it's my career change coaching program is a three-month one-to-one program so head on over to on instagram at love project love um our website is loveprojectlove.com i also have selinabarker.com s-e-l-i-n-a barker.com you can find my youtube videos about career change there um and yeah more information about my coaching but you'll also find information about career coaching on on project love as well so brilliant go into those videos. you'll find some stuff on the podcast about career change coaching um and next year i will be teaming up with the wonderful marianne cantwell from be a free range human and doing a new book do you know what she wrote it five years ago she's doing the new edition it's coming out and she's added stuff to it which makes it even more powerful than it already is and i it's such a brilliant book um but wait for it to come out i think it's in september yeah because i've seen so and i thought oh is this a new book Okay, I will add the link into there. And um, I also highly recommend, um, I'll I'll put the link in, there was an episode that you and Vicky did about boundaries. Yeah, one of the most popular ones, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I think we all struggle with it. And I think um, when you're tapping into your more intuitive side, you need to uh, have some boundaries. Yes, definitely. Because burnout is real. Yeah, 100%. Oh, Selena, I just love you. <gasps> I love you. <laughs> this is everything and more. And do you know what? Thank you, because I, after reading this book on the weekend, the Novacine book, I really wanted to talk about intuition. And, and so, look. Thank you. That, that, you know, you intuitively enabled this to happen. And I really appreciate it because I think it has been... Um, just as juicy, if not juicier, than the questions I had in store. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, Selena, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. I'm going to be gushing about you on social media in about three minutes' time. <laughs> I'll be gushing right back. <laughs> thank you so much, my darling. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.